0: Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Battling Pickle Podcast. My name is Dr. John Westfall. I'm an associate professor of psychology and do a number of other things at Delta State University in Cleveland, Mississippi, where one of our mascots is the fighting okra, hence the name Battling Pickle, because when you're five years old, a battling pickle and a fighting okra look awfully similar. At least that's what I've been told. Today we are going to talk about productivity. It's something that if you want to be as busy as I am, or even if you don't want to be as busy as I am, you might want to pick up some tips about productivity. And so inspired by a conversation I had with a few colleagues and uh, some work that I've done on my blog, I'll talk about some of my best tips and we'll go from there. Welcome to this week's episode. So this week's episode is a little bit different than we've had in the past. In the past I've talked about psychology, I've talked about uh, educational psychology, history of psychology, statistics, all those things. Today I'm talking about productivity and I'm talking about specifically how to be productive when your job is not productivity related. If you are a university professor, you are not getting paid for how productive you can be if you are in most jobs. You're not getting paid for how productive you can be. You're getting paid for whatever your specific job responsibilities are. But yet in order to be productive, uh, in order to get those job responsibilities done, you do have to be productive in some way. And in many cases, I've talked with friends who just wish that they had more time to do the things they really would like to do versus spending time doing things they don't want to be doing. A number of years ago, One of my favorite examples, uh, my wife, who is a secretary here at the institution, had a group of students working on a task that was basically to mail out letters to a list of superintendents. And she had checked on them at the beginning of the, the afternoon. They had started work on it. Everything seemed fine. When she came back to them at the end of the afternoon, they had only finished maybe 20 or 30 envelopes. And so she had asked them, well, what what are you doing that it's that's taking this long? And they showed her that when they, you know, would look up a certain school district, Cleveland school district or something like that, they would then need to find the superintendent's name and address in a spreadsheet of districts. And that spreadsheet was not sorted in any way. So these students were literally scrolling up and down through a thousand-line spreadsheet trying to find Cleveland School District, so-and-so, so-and-so, superintendent, here's the address, et cetera. And my wife said, you know, there's a find feature in Excel, and there's also a sort feature in Excel. You could have sorted this. It would have saved you a lot of time. You could have used find, and you could have just typed in a few letters. You know, Cleveland, you would have found the school district right away. And I'm not saying that if you're listening to this, you're going to be like these students and you're not going to realize that there's basic functionality like that. But I am saying that you might be so overwhelmed that when you're thinking about your own productivity as a student or as a staff member or a faculty member, you're not thinking smart. You're thinking, this is what I know. And in some cases, that is an older method that is going to take some time The corollary to this is I've had students tell me, or I've had faculty colleagues tell me, I don't have time to learn that. And my response is very flippant. You don't have time not to learn it, because you don't have the time. You don't have time to be sitting there spending three hours looking through a spreadsheet manually when sort and find are things. So... This is partially inspired by a blog post that I wrote called I'm Busy, My Best Tips and Tricks for a Productive Professional Life. You can find it on johnwestfall.com, And I wanted to just kind of go through some of the things that I do. And I'm going to be giving some talks later this semester to new faculty to kind of give them some of these tips. And I have some uh, faculty colleagues that have already used some of these tips. And they have come up to me and said they're really happy that I've told them about them. Uh, So I'm happy to do so and uh, try to get people on the, uh, the train of getting things done in a more efficient manner. The first thing that I do is that I make sure that everything I might need for my job is wherever I am. Everything is on every device or accessible from every device. So obviously leveraging cloud storage for your files, whether that be OneDrive, Dropbox, Google Storage, whatever it might be, you need to be able to get to it from any device you're on. Because otherwise, what happens invariably is that you leave it in one place or another. It's on your office computer or it's on your computer at home or it's somewhere. It's on a USB drive that you left in a classroom somewhere. You don't know where it is. USB drives should be backups. They should never be the primary thing that you use to store your files. And if you are connecting with a device, a smart device like a tablet or your laptop, it just makes good sense to have these things around. I even take this a step further where I am able to connect remotely to my laptop, whether it is in the office next to me or across town at my home. Uh, There are ways to set up remote access securely so that you can get in, you can get what you need. This alone has probably saved me more times than anything else where I can be sitting in a meeting or I can be sitting waiting for something to start and a person emails me and says, hey, I need this file. And instead of waiting a couple of minutes or an hour or two hours when I get back to my office, I can send it to them directly from my phone. What you find when you start using some of these techniques is that something that used to take two seconds in you know, the five minutes after it comes in will take five to 10 to 20 minutes to 30 minutes uh, if you wait on it. So I'll give you an example. A student might email me at noon and say, hey, um, I'm kind of confused about this particular part of the assignment. And then if I have the materials I need and I'm not busy, obviously, I'm not saying you should drop everything for every little thing. But if I'm already just sitting there, maybe I'm waiting for my friends to get ready for lunch or maybe uh, we're driving back to campus. I don't know. I can write back a quick email and say, oh, yeah, you just have to do it like this file has it laid out. No big deal. Let me know if you have questions, et cetera. Done. Two second or not really two seconds, but more like a minute reply. These, the version of this that can easily escalate is that student doesn't get a reply from me. They try something on their own. They go down a wrong path. And then I have to spend a half hour with them later undoing the damage, in a sense, and getting them back on track. Sometimes, even though we, we do live in a world where you shouldn't drop everything for everyone, you cannot deny the fact that if you can catch a little fire, when it is just a spark, you can prevent a big inferno. You can put it out before it gets any further. And part of that is having everything you need from wherever you are and trying to answer emails and texts as quickly as possible. That is, there's also an ad psychological benefit that you you know are able to get out of that for you and for your visualization to others. But really just trying to stem the flow of things on a regular basis so that you don't get overwhelmed. Another uh, thing to use is the services that are freely available that make life easier. So for example, I use a calendar booking service. You Can Book Me is one of the ones that I've used. There's Calendly. There's even sites like doodle.com and signupgenius.com. I could not live without this. If a student needs to make an appointment with me or a colleague needs to make an appointment with me, they can just go look at my calendar, figure out when I'm open and make an appointment. They don't have to. We don't have this dance back and forth of, are you available this day? Well, no, I'm not available at that time. Well, how about this time? No, I'm not available then. Well, are you available here? No, I'm not available. That spends a lot of time that could be more easily spent with someone just going, oh, you're available. I'll I'll take that time. And you can, of course, block off any time that you want. I've blocked off whole days for vacation or whole days for working on things. So it's not like you're going to get people. And of course, the software is smart enough to know not to book appointments with me at nine o'clock at night or that sort of thing. But you want to make sure that you're using services that'll make your life easier. And in this case, calendar booking software to a professional that meets with a lot of different people is an essential, essential item. In the classroom, uh, I also take care of technology to facilitate my teaching. And there's a few things here that I need to make clear. First is, just because it's marketed toward education does not mean you have to use it in education. And perhaps more importantly, even if it's not marketed toward education, you could use it in education. I use Google Forms for a lot of things. And I use Microsoft Excel for a lot of things. They're not necessarily the products that are marketed to do what I'm doing with them. Some of the things I'm doing are classroom responses. There are plenty of what are called clicker software components out there where students get these little response clickers or they have these little games they play on their phone. Yeah, you can do that, but you can also just make a Google form. I had a colleague call me last week and say, I've got students that are sending me videos Uh, But some of the videos are too big. How do I embed the videos or how do I get the students to send them to me if they're too big? So, well, have the students create a YouTube account and upload it as a private or unlisted video on YouTube. Have it on unlisted video. It's not available to everyone else. You just have the link. And one of the things that I realize happens is people think, well, that's not a, a product I would have thought of because it's not marketed toward education. Here's the the thing about products that are marketed toward education. They're also marked up price-wise way higher than they should be. If you had Education YouTube versus Real YouTube, whereas Real YouTube is free to create an account, I'm sure Education YouTube would at least be $59.99 a month. There's just a tax for teachers for using software that is designed for education. So be thinking about how you can use software in ways that make your life easier, even if they weren't specifically marketed for that. I also have, I'm a big believer in writing things down that help people. So for example, all of this is coming from a blog post that's on johnwestfall.com. You can go there and get all these links and I'll point a a link to these in my show notes. But of course, there are other ways that you can get things out. I have two books that I've written that are purely my tips on how to do certain things productivity-wise that, When people ask me how to do it, I wanna be able to point to something and say, here it is, this is what I do. I'm not saying you need to write books, but I'm saying have the documents written out, have things ready to go so that if someone asks you for it today, there's a high likelihood someone else is gonna want it next week, it's much easier to write it out today, send it to person A and then save it somewhere other than your email that you'll have to go digging through later, save it as a Word document or somewhere, You know, you can even have a folder on your computer called Friend Resources or something like that. Save it so that later you're not spending another three hours typing it all out in laborious detail when you already did that last week or two weeks ago or a month ago or a year ago. And there are a few things that I really advocate in terms of personal productivity. The first is to pace yourself. Save work if you have to save work. There are certain things that don't have to be done today. They can be done tomorrow or the next day or the next day. If you find yourself really just living and dying by your to-do list and saying, well, it's Monday, I'm going to try to plow through everything for the week today, unless you know you're going to have a really heavy week at the end of the week, which occasionally you do and you do try to plan things out, pace yourself because otherwise you will burn out. You will get tired. You will say, I, you know, screw this. I'm not doing this stuff. It will become a problem. Pacing yourself causes you to take that breather that you need. Also, don't be afraid of embracing unmotivated boredom time at work. On several occasions, I've gone to friends and said to them, hey, um, you know, I'm kind of bored today. What are you up to? And people will look at me and go, don't don't, don't say that. Don't say you're bored. That's bad. You know, you're not supposed to be bored. Well, sometimes we're all bored. Sometimes we have those moments where we just aren't motivated. And if you try to push yourself to always be doing something and always be, um, you know, productive, you're again going to burn yourself out. The added benefit of going into someone's office and saying, hey, I'm bored. Uh, I want to talk to you. Is that you're also talking to people when they're not, when you don't need something from them. And I think it's a complete disservice if the only time anyone ever hears from you is when you've got something you need from them. They're going to learn really quick that the only time so-and-so comes around is when they need something. And uh, I I don't think that's a great way to, to be productive. Uh, you want to have people talking to you because they genuinely enjoy your company and genuinely enjoy what you can say to them, not just because, well, uh, they only talk to me when I need something or they need something. And then lastly, uh, while I personally plan saying no a bit more this fall, because I have had a very uh, busy fall pop up, I also would recommend uh, not just cutting off people and saying no, do take on new challenges, do take on new things, otherwise your life can get very boring in a sense and repetitive. So I would suggest um, being a little bit of an experience junkie if you can. So those are sort of my tips for productivity. And like I said, there's more of this on my website. Definitely, definitely think about it if you find yourself overwhelmed to try to take care of some of these things. And of course, look for solutions. You cannot rule the day if you don't look for the easiest ways to get things done this has been another edition of the battling pickle podcast remember that we are hosted on anchor.fm if you go to anchor.fm battling pickle you'll be able to interact with the podcast you can leave a message for me to respond to you can give me your feedback and i hope that you have an awesome week